When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show <laughs> Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode number 314. I'm your host, Steve Forney. As always, uh, Mark Allred, the uh, the man uh, here at Black and Gold. And uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in for another episode today. Uh, Mark, how you been? What's new? Uh, good, Steve. Good to have you back, my friend. Uh, we missed you last week, but uh, we did a really fun uh, interactive uh, live stream with our, our blackandgoldhockey.com colleague, uh, Cam Manning, and he was fantastic throughout the whole program. So uh, it was tough for him to fill those shoes, Steve-O, but, but we we, uh, we got an episode out, and it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun. But uh, I hope you are well, and you had a great week as, as well. Um, before I go on, I do want to shout out my my wife, Courtney. Her birthday was on Friday. So, uh, yeah, happy happy birthday to her. And, and, yeah, she definitely puts up with my ass, so kudos to her. Uh, but no, she's an amazing woman. I love her to death. And I just wanted to say happy birthday to her. So that's, that was pretty much my week was just, you know, get gearing up for a nice dinner on Thursday night with some friends, uh, in Haverhill at this uh, place called Mr. Mike's, uh, played some Kino, got a really good meal, had a bunch of beers, bunch of drinks and, uh, 
And then basically on, on her official birthday on Friday, we just chilled out and just ate Chinese food and stuff. So it was, it was great, great to hang out with her and just, you know, celebrate her day. You know, I'm not like a big gambler by any means, but it is sort of disappointing when you walk into a restaurant and you're like, wait, they don't have Kino here. <laughs> I'm not playing. Yeah. I want to see, I want to watch those numbers. roll. What right. kind of place is this? <laughs> Well, speaking of, uh, as always, our uh, our shows are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, big shout out to those guys. You can use the promo code CLNS50. So make sure you um, uh, make sure you go there for uh, well, we got football playoffs and hockey, basketball. We got everything going on. So uh, please do uh, check on our friends at BetOnline.ag. Um, as always, uh, we do have a call today. But if you wanted to call into the show. Um, and leave us a voicemail if you got a hot take or you got a question you got something you want to ask uh, feel free to give us a call that number 978-504-2727 and um, we'd be happy to play that back at the next episode and like I said you got questions comments anything you need um, feel free to give us a shout out uh, we have a yeah. ton going on today uh, that we have I mean really up and down the, the farm system um, I saw today, um, Michael DiPietro is playing great for the main Mariners. Uh, we will hop from Brett Harrison to Fabian Lizell today, um, uh, to, to Carlo to maybe we'll head out and talk a little bit of what the hell's going on out there in Vancouver. Um, so we do have a ton of stuff to get to today. Um, but first we'll just take a quick look back at uh, last week's games. Um, and again, just, it's like every week, it's just more complete and utter domination. Um, Philadelphia was playing some great hockey. Until they ran into the Bruins. Uh, the Bees take a 6 nothing win there. Um, then they go to New York. A couple of uh, couple sweeps there. One on the island and one at, uh, at Madison Square Garden. So uh, just another uh, the week. The months just keep rolling on and the Bruins just keep on winning, Mark. It's crazy. Yeah, it is, man. It's just unbelievable how much of a wagon this Boston Bruins team really is. And you're just looking last week with that shutout. 6 nothing shutout. Jeremy Swayman. Playing well, we'll talk about him later. Um, and then the, the uh, four to one win in New York on the island, and then go to Madison Square Garden for a three to one win. And from my Amesbury math, that is outscoring the opponents last week 13 to two. Absolutely wow. crazy. That goal differential in the league standings is just continues to rise for this Boston Bruins team, and uh, and, and, and it's just so good to see again. I'm gonna keep like Sounding like I'm slapping myself in the face because this has never been seen from these eyes before or, or heard from these ears before in my life. This is just a historic season, and it's something that Bruins fans should really be proud of. And, I mean, the playoffs, I am sort of one of those guys who I get concerned when when you blow doors in the regular season, you win the President's Trophy, and then you get to the playoffs, and it's really a whole other ball of wax. Um, there was a while there in the NFL where the MVP would never win the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm curious as to your thoughts. And I don't think, um, I mean, load management is a hard thing to do in the, in the NHL. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Um, like, I don't want them chasing records. Like, like I know, like Linus Allmark has a chance to break some ridiculous record. The Bruins have the chance to knock off a, you know, a 50 year, um, 50-year record that the Canadians held for, you know, most points in a season. I, I'm not a load management guy, but I, I don't want them extending guys like Linus Ulmark for games just to chase some record, Mark. I'm not sure how you feel about, about all those things. 
That's a valid point, Steve, and a valid uh, concern because, um, you know, it, it has happened in history. I, to go back just a couple of years ago when the Tampa Bay Lightning were an absolute wagon that particular year, and then in their first round series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, they got swept and they got embarrassed. So it has happened, and I do I, I can definitely grasp onto what you're what you're feeling there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to believe that Jim Montgomery and his coaching staff are smart enough, uh, folks behind the bench of this Boston Bruins team to to realize who needs to sit, you know, who needs to rest up and so on, particularly goaltenders. Uh, Linus Allmark has been an absolute wagon himself. Uh, if you talk about an individual effort, um, you know, and Jeremy Swayman is starting to play very well too. So it, it's a great problem to have, you know, it's, it complements uh, the crease very well. And now it's just outside. Uh, I believe it's, it's very defensive heavy and, and your forwards just got to continue to pull away from, times when you're going to make mistakes. Like if this offense can keep going and plug away with six goals, four goals, three goals, you get that confidence in that you're really locking the team down and so on your opponent down. Um, and I think that's what Jim Montgomery really strives to do. Uh, particularly when he, he's allowing his defenseman to uh, pinch in a little bit further, have a little more trust. And um, you know, it's just, it's just so good to see, man. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm dumbfounded every time I talk through and talky, it's just like, this is amazing. It, it really is. And, and, you know, even just the not having to rely on one line. I mean, we're seeing a lot of the defensemen the last week, the defensemen are starting to score, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but not having that one line that you have to depend on, which for years, that was kind of the case. Um, you know, there are games where the top line doesn't score at all. And then you get, you know, you get three. You get three goals from the second line. You get another one from the third line. Um, so I, I think, I think you're right. I think keeping that consistency up and down the lineup um, is really important. And I think that that's what's going to separate them from other teams come playoff time, where there's a lot of matchups. Um, other teams are going to be trying to match up against. You know, if you're if you're in the playoff, if you're in a seven game series right now, you have a shut down defensive forward line. Who do you match up? I mean, do you put them against the Bergeron line? Do you put them up against the check line? Um, I just I, I'm finding that having um, the balance that they have is is going to be huge. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the goaltenders. Linus Elmark had his uh, 100th career win against the Islanders last week. And, you know, I, I think that I just hate the term load management, but I think being able to manage his minutes and his games is um, is so it's so nice to have Swayman because if you just had either somebody who wasn't very good or even a guy like without picking on him Yaroslav Halak who was just older right and you don't want him playing back to backs or um, being able to lean on Swayman to get Allmark ready for the playoffs I think is such a, a nice benefit um, a nice benefit that they have. Yeah, I totally agree with that, um, and it's going to be interesting on how on how it all works out uh, when it comes to, you know, who's going to get a majority of the starts getting down to the postseason. Uh, you know, going back to your, your defense and so on, um, you're talking about more buying in more to the system. Um, Coach Montgomery and even John Gruden in, in, uh, in offseason interviews mentioned that they want more support from the back end. And that was, has been a huge factor this year. Um, we know McAvoy, we know, Lindholm, those can be, uh, you know, you know, world like defensemen uh, back there. But 
this season we're just seeing more shots, quality shots that are typical. Getting a net front presence is that much better uh, for those to receive those uh, shots from the uh, or passes from the blue line. I just think that w- the way that it was like checking boxes. It really was. It's like we got to work on our defense, and we need we need more support from the back end. We need more from our younger players like Jake DeBrusque and Trent Frederick. And look what we're seeing. It's just it's it's all coming off like they're going down a list of, of boxes to check until the Stanley Cup is accomplished. And it's just it's amazing to see that this is all happening in year one of Jim Montgomery and John Gruden behind the bench, and and it's awesome. And, and the other thing too with the defense, it's if you're if you have a a defensive pairing or or a player or if you have somebody that can be out at that blue line and be a threat, it, it's gonna the the defensive forwards are gonna have to to come out a little bit and play them, and just that ability and that threat stretches the defense and opens up so much more space for the forwards down low. It's like a it's like a guy at the three point line who you know is not gonna shoot. You don't even have to go out and cover him. But if he's yep. going to keep hitting shots, you got to go out there and you got to play him. Um, it's sort of that same mentality where where you're going to have to stretch your forwards out to play harder defense against the, the defenseman in the offensive zone. And that just opens up so much space, um, either behind the net, down low, along the boards, um, or even right in the middle. You know, um, stretching them out opens up that middle where we know Bergeron likes to make a, a living in there. So, um I just, well, you're right. I mean, Grizzly, I mean, Derek Forbort scored one uh, crash in the net. Like he's like, he's yeah. Brad Hall for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, that was great to see. So uh, you're right. The, the improvement, the back end to me is the biggest improvement this year. And I do think it's a lot mentality and the coaches giving them the ability to do that. Um, Absolutely. And speaking of, of coaches, I, I found it interesting. Um, you know, Krejci played in his, his 1000th career game against the Flyers. Um, he had a comment and I wish I could remember verbatim, but you know, it's just, I really, I, I really like this team. Now I really like this coaching staff. Now it's a lot better now than it was before. Um, and Krejci for a guy who doesn't show a lot of emotion when, when he talks to the media, he's very, um, he'll tell it like it is like he, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And, um, it it just seemed to me like it was example number, you know, Example number 11 as to why the coaching change had to happen and the difference that it made. Um, and I wonder if that's part of the reason why he came back. And I wonder if if um, that's something that, you know, I just assumed the guy would be done at the end of the year. But is there a chance we get another year out of Krejci, depending on how this year goes? All signs are pointing down to, and, and the shots across the bow, of of the departure of of uh, old coach Bruce Cassidy, we're hearing it more. We heard it from uh, Jake DeVos. We heard it from Trent Frederick. We now we heard it from uh, you know uh, David Krejci. Maybe it was. Maybe it just wasn't um, David Krejci's cup of tea. And um, maybe there was a plan for him and his family to go over to Chechia and live there for a full year. But. Also, I think he wanted to stay in the NHL as well and maybe do the family thing later on uh, in while well, he's like officially retired and so on. But I just don't think that he liked the message. And I think he had the option to do whatever he had to do then and now as a as a UFA and came back with a different message, different approach. And obviously, you know, countryman David Pasternak being over there for the world championships and so on and. 
you know, other Bruins players say, you know, probably giving him calls on a daily basis saying, come back, let's do this like tour together. You know, let's yeah. get the band back together. Let's go on the road. Let's grind it out. You know, and I give kudos to, and I don't do this very often. And I love Cam Neely. We both grew up on the Cam Neely era, you know, love his uh, Bam Bam Cam type of attitude, but I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of his business, you know, or, or him as a president, uh, 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 as the president of the team. But, before this season started, he came out in his uh, preseason press conference and said, we got a special group here that's that's really seems like they're go, willing to go on out on the line for each other. And I'm paraphrasing that, of course. But to have it all come out like this, it's just it's 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 almost poetic. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost scripted, my man. And God, I love it. I'm not going to stop saying I love it, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and if you guys out there that uh, you know happen to be listening and watching, and you're, you're obviously doing this safely and at home, and you want to be a drinking game, every time I say I love it, or oh, this is awesome, drink. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's as good a time as I can ever remember to be a Bruins fan. I mean, it's it's, it's just... so it's so hard to pick on what what's wrong with the team. I mean, we could pick, we could talk later on as trade season comes around and, and like nitpick that, but it's so hard to come up with topics about what's wrong with this team, because this town, this this coaching staff has the trust to say, you made a mistake. Please go out for another two shifts and figure out what you did wrong instead of just benching them. You know, sitting on the bench, sulking, not getting the time, blah blah blah, not contributing. You're given the opportunities for people to make up for their mistakes, and I love that. And even um, I think Cassidy took some heat last week for calling out Jack Eichel. And, so, and it's like the same thing he was doing here. It's like, especially yep. the guy like Eichel, that's just not going to fly. The The bread trail does not lead far from it was the frigging coach. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, but it, it's true. I mean, I was a big Cassidy guy. I really liked Cassidy. Um, I, I, I Maybe it's, again, you know, I being down there, I you know, met him a couple of times, talked to him a bunch. He was a nice guy, you know, normal dude. Um, but I mean, if you remember going back to before his first NHL head coaching job, he walked into the locker room in, in Washington, like his, you know, what didn't stink. And these guys were like, who do you think you are? And that didn't last long. So um, yeah. I remember when he was hired here, it was this talk of like, did, did he get over that, that arrogance did he change his approach, you know? And I don't know if, I still don't know if he did, you know? I'm not sure if he's done that yet, but um, it's nice to have the squad that we have now. And I mean, going back to Krejci, 37 points, going to be 37 in a couple months. You know, last year he was playing against sheep farmers and he can still yeah. come right back, he can still come right back and, and, and play the way he's playing at a high level on a second line, playing a lot of minutes is just, it's amazing. Yeah, three assists and that six to nothing win, you know, just contributing quietly. I mean, David, David's just one of those types of players throughout his career. You know, almost a point per game player. I could be wrong on that, but um, you know, it's just he'll he'll give you a, a solid 20 goals a season and probably 50 or 60 assists, you know, just that that cerebral setup guy that that you know. It's just got a good pass, good hands, and so on. And and to have him here with Bergeron and so on, uh, you know, a teammate that did it so long ago, and Marshan, another creative freaking, you know, forward. It's uh, it's awesome. You know, I love yes. it. Yes, 767 points in a uh, thousand two career games, and so, you know, all right. Even- so that's is that a point ninety two? 
Uh, well, I don't do math on the air, but it's, I don't either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, they're round numbers. I still don't want to do it, but, um, you know, yeah, and the numbers are there. And even uh, I just see it now in the month of January, 10 points in nine games. So it's not even like yeah. he's, you know, slowing down. I mean, the crazy yeah, train eating is, up at the right time, you know, yeah. I mean, this is the second half of the season and, and the, you know, the postseason is going to be a, another, just a different grind. And, you know, and also don't count out teams that are really, I don't care if they're out of the playoffs and they're absolute trash dumpster fires. They're going to want to, they're going to want to be the people that beat the Boston Bruins and they're going to play their asses off to do it. And they're going to grind heavy. So getting to the postseason is still, we're, we're basically in right now, which is, is crazy to think about. But also, while we are in there, you got to consider everything that's coming at you because it's not the postseason anymore, Toto. Yeah. Um, it starts with a team like San Jose tonight. I mean, San Jose is going to try to come in here and wipe the floor with you. And I will be watching – we'll get into this maybe later too, but I will be watching a guy like Timo Meyer. Uh see what see what his deal is because i do we, we are going to talk some trade talk and i i just i'm so out on bo horvat but um we will talk about all that uh, a little later coming up um one thing we brought up last week um we probably talked about it too much because again we both agreed that we don't care about it um but it is nice that Pasternak did get selected to the uh to the all-star game um he'll be with jim montgomery lena Solmark. i'll tell you what i, I know sometimes they get I think I remember a couple years ago, Tim Thomas was in the fastest skater contest at the all-star game. I don't want any of that from Linus Olmark. I don't want, I want him to no. sit in one spot and stay there and not get hurt. I don't want to bump a bruise, a shot, hit him in the wrong spot. I don't want any of that stuff. Um, get him out of fastest skater and hardest shot. I don't want him doing any of that nonsense. <laughs> Just sit there, stop some pucks and then get the hell out of there as quick as you can. Um, Just wave to the crowd, Linus. Really? Seriously. Um <laughs> But uh, it's nice to see Pasternak get get his due. And, you know, again, I think that's just – it's good for the league. He's a super marketable guy. Um, I think that's that's sort of a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, true ambassadors of the game as the game grows and it gets younger and more creative as as he is, um, you know, uh, just good to have him here. And hopefully he sticks around. I, I know that the contract negotiations are, are um, you know – it's, it's putting a toll on the Bruins fan base because a lot of folks just don't understand why it's not happening. And a lot of the, you know, the tweeters out there that sign the man, you know, a lot of, I, a lot of that I think is the fan base putting a lot of pressure on Don Sweeney to get it done. But like I've said in several podcasts, JP Barry is one that's notorious for just waiting and waiting to maximize the best interest in his client. And, and obviously it's all in, a percentage that the agent gets as well. You know, the more talk he's getting, the more money he's going to get. So um, from several people that I've talked to about the Pasternak thing is that it, it is moving forward. We've heard Elliot Friedman say that. Um, and it might just be down to like bonus structure, you know, and so on that, that it might be locked in at 11 million for eight years, uh, which would be a fantastic number for me, you know, um, I mean, I mean hopefully I, it gets done. Yeah, I I think the I think that the the stress for Bruins fans comes from guys like Elliot Friedman. Friedman, I'm gotta be honest, I'm getting a little tired of that guy. Twenty four thoughts talks about Bruins Pasternak. Then you click on it, they're talking. A week <laughs> later, update on Bruins Pasternak. They're talking. That's not an update, dude. Come to me when you have something. But to keep saying you have updates and then you have no updates is not an update. 
So, I mean, that's that's the journalist, the that journalist in me. It, you 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 put those he puts those things in the headlines and tweets so that we click on them so he gets more clicks so he gets more money and then you click on it and there's nothing there so it, that to me is is where the stress comes from is because you you know and then you know every single beat writer god bless him you know elliot friedman thoughts says that they're still talking now we have now we have more useless information <laughs> if you have something tell me if you don't leave it alone but that to me is where the stress comes from is guys like Elliot Freeman pumping up his own work saying, click on it. Cause we got an update and there's no update. So as much as it sucks to be patient, we just have to be patient. Um, I'd really like it to get done before the trade deadline, because then we're going to get the week out week before the trade deadline is going to be Elliot Freeman. Should the Bruins trade posture? Like we're going to have more of that bull crap. So, you know, I, I would tell Bruins fans to just stay away from the NHL, you know, the NHL writers, not the Bruins right. writers, but stay away away from those national writers um, because they're they're just not helpful. They're not helpful. They're not useful, and they don't really have any information. So, true. Sorry, sorry, oh. Elliot. I, <laughs> a little hard on the Beaver, yeah, just, Steve-O. <laughs> it's a, it's a journalism, uh, man. It's it's no, it's, I get you. Um, I we're get a weird, you. We're in a weird place for journalism now, and that's one of those things that just just bothers the hell out of me. Yeah, and a team like the Boston Bruins that really don't give you much. You know, Don Sweeney's not out there floating anything to the beat writers or anything like that. Those guys are in the trenches trying to grind for information, just like I do. The you know, the the once in a great while I break some news, it's it's usually from a pretty damn good source. So, but it's not coming from the team because they're so tight lipped. They really are. I mean, chances are a guy like Elliot Friedman's just text sending a text to JP Barry. So what's the latest? Well, we're still yeah, talking. I'm talking. We're, we're still talking. Okay, cool. Let me put it in the podcast. Like, yeah. just... no, I, I see your point and so on. I really do. Uh, but regardless of, of all that, I kind of think that a deal gets done right around uh, the All-Star break. It's It's got to be. I don't want to really get any closer to March 3rd. I think that's when, you know, I, I have a feeling it's going to get done. But what I'm more worried about is the is the is the uh the panic that could happen in this fan base the closer we get to the trade deadline so i'd rather get something done for everybody's sanity and everybody's right. stress and so on you know <laughs> but lower the heart rate a little bit you know yeah exactly me too you know so, yeah we'll have to run to cvs to check my freaking heart rate. <laughs> it's just it's like it's unbelievable but um so uh he's another one though please be safe at the all-star game pasta no no uh yes no messing around don't be tweaking anything just go shoot hard skate fast and then come home um please if you could and of course the all-star game i don't know when it is but i know it's down in florida so that'd be nice for the yep. guys to get out there and yeah relax yep. a little bit so um all right so we did have some if there is anything that's bad to talk about we did have uh some injuries uh, we can start with uh, Tomas uh, Nosek, um, non-displaced fracture in his foot. Uh, he'll be reevaluated in about four weeks. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for some of these young guys. I know they called up Yuna Kopanen, um, who I, I, is fine. I don't think he's really sort of the future, uh, with all due respect to the player. But I, I'm wondering if this is a good opportunity for the Mark McLaughlin's of the world. Um, that's a guy who obviously played on the roster at the end of last year. So he's, he's not breaking any new ground coming up to the NHL. Um, uh, he would sort of be my selection to fill in that spot for the next four weeks or so. Um, but any thoughts, Mark, on the no injury and where they should go in that fourth line? 
Yeah, I mean, the freaking guy was already battling a hand injury and couldn't take faceoffs. That's one of the reasons why they brought Kapoyanin up because he's he's the next best guy in the dot, to be honest with you, a big player like that. Good penalty killer. You know, he gets his sticks in the lanes and so on. So he does a small impacts that that teams really want to see in, in, as your best depth, like special teams player like Kapoyanin is. I, I do understand what you're saying about like Mark McLaughlin and Vinny Letary and uh, Georgie McCuloff, even John Beecher, if you wanted to give him a shot. Uh, you know, those are the guys that are, you know, your 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 real homebred type of uh, you know players. Uh, Unica Panin is um is on a, a two way deal, so he's technically not a prospect anymore. Um, but I just think his size gives him a, a bit of an advantage over the creativity and offensive production of other players that I mentioned that might not have um, a good game away from the puck. And I watch a lot of the Providence Bruins, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm not seeing – I'm seeing good offensive capabilities, but away from the puck, I'm not seeing great things from from those players that a lot of the Boston Bruins fans want up and get other chances. I think that Copanen is the quiet type of player that – bring something that those guys can't, but we already have offensively with our top three lines. So it's, it's primarily just a bottom, you know, a bottom offensive forward addition that can, um, you know, make small impacts. It's not going to light the score sheet up and so on, like many people think, but then again, I don't believe neither could Georgie McCuloff, a smaller forward that's coming up here, being thrown into a role as a penalty killer like that. I just think that that's not the appropriate way to, ins- you know, insert a player with uh, with high offensive capabilities. I think those I think those roster positions should be reserved for like higher up in the lineup. If you could have a chance to to go right next to Bergeron and Marchand and play next to them, that's freaking unbelievable development. That's an urge to get better because I want to be with these guys all the time. I don't want to see a player like Georgie McCulloff down on the fourth line grinding it out, getting limited minutes, or not even playing at all. So do you think, and I I know there's always a lot of, between the contracts and the cap and all this stuff, it's not as easy as it sounds, but do you think that maybe it's a good idea in the next, I don't know, couple months, or even during this four-week stretch, to give those guys maybe a week where, you know, you bring up, say, John Beecher, and and you give Krejci a night off? And then you send him back down and you call up, uh, you know, Merkulov and then you give Coyle a night off. You know, is there is there an opportunity? Because, again, the point their the points, the point our points are so high. They don't it's nice to win, but they don't it's not like they can't do it because they're fighting in the trenches for a playoff spot. You know, is this an opportunity to maybe call some of those guys up on a for a week, you know, for, for two yeah. weeks for a game? I don't know. You know, I believe so, because everybody that you mentioned that they have the ability to go through the waiver process without any problems. Like Vinny Letary did pass through waivers to begin the season. So he can be called up. And I think that he can, he'll have to stay for 30 days or play in 10 games. After that, he'd be waiver exempt. I mean, yeah, he'd have to go through the waiver process. I think that sometimes they worry about that because they're losing a player for nothing. Nobody wants to like, you know, but I could see um, players that are on entry-level deals that have no waivers uh, to get those opportunities. But I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be later on in the season. 
Um, you know, when we're looking into mid-March and, and early April, I think those are the times that, you, that you'll get the opportunities. Um, and, and not only that, but you give a little bit of NHL time in the season for your black aces that are going to be just practicing right. throughout the, uh, the playoff rounds as far as the Bruins go. So there's always that taste. There's always that good feeling of being with the with uh with the group and everything. But I just want to see I want to see Mark McLaughlin take a bigger step, uh, in in a little bit of his physicality and his offensive capabilities. Uh, I'm just not seeing the the solid two way game. Um, but then again, the NHL does bring out the best in a lot of people. Like, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm back. I'm gonna do whatever I can. I'm JoJo the bouncing clown. I'm never going back. I get that, but when at the AHL level, I believe you. It's always it's the always hungry league, right, Steve? Always yep. freaking hungry. Yeah, you got to you got to work down there too to to get those call ups to get noticed. And you know, my opinion is not gospel when it comes to prospects, but I'm just I, I want to see more from certain players as well. Um, you obviously watch those games a lot more than I do, but I do. I, I you know, whenever I see you know your posts about you know here are the lines for tonight. It does look like there's a lot of fluctuation. It seems like there's always guys that are on the fourth line on a Friday night, and then they're on the second line then Saturday night. Is there um, – are they still trying to work on some consistency down there or finding rhythm, or is that just sort of the way the AHL works sometimes? Where Or are they just too loaded? I mean, they have so many freaking prospects down there um, and guys that can play. Are, are they just trying to find a home for everybody? What What – Great question, Steve. What I've noticed in the past couple of years, whether it be uh, Jay Leach behind the bench and Trent Winfield and, and Ryan Mujanel or Ryan Mujanel, who's the coach now with Trent Winfield and Matt Thomas, um, I just think that they're putting players that common Boston Bruins fans see on the third and fourth line and, and scream, what, why is, why is Jakob Lauko playing the left wing on the third line? That guy should, that guy should be up there on the first, the second line getting quality minutes offensively. He does. I mean, I think that Ryan Mujanel and, and, and Jay Leach, they cycle through players within the lineup because they want developing players to learn all aspects of the game. Now, I know Fabian Lysel and Georgie Mikulov have primarily spent uh, time with Vinny Letary, great veteran to learn from, unbelievable forward, fast, quick, leading the um, the team in points. Unselfish. Just a great, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it's just a great player to to be a sponge and just learn from. Uh, those guys don't change much, but the, you know, the, your bottom your bottom nine does it fluctuates hard because you know Lauko could be on the fourth line Beach could be on the fourth line and uh McLaughlin could be on the fourth line and people freak out about that so it's I just think that every time a player goes to a different area that's where the coaching staff sees they need a little more work you need to be a little more physical go down to the third and fourth line figure it out get we'll get you back in a, another rotation at the higher lines it's all about taking the systems in as, as a young athlete. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, it stands out, you know, and um, you know, guys, well, we when you look at a lineup. Absolutely. It does. It's like, yeah. well, and, that, and I get a lot of freak out on Twitter about that. They'll see my lineups and go, Jesus, this, this Mujanel, he's an idiot. And I'm like, no, he's not. He, I think he's just trying to get all aspects of the game in a short period of time. Cause believe it or not, developing players is not quick. You have three years as you're locked in an entry level, 
And if you play well, you get extra years on two-way deals. So the window is very short for them to get all of that implemented into the kids' brains right. and produce a product that we're ready to call this guy up to the NHL. And when you're getting play, I mean, we guys even mentioned like Luke, Luke Toporowski and Sam Asselin and, and, you know, you said Lauko. I mean, these are also guys that play pretty well. And, you know, you got to just because one guy's drafted here and the other guy's drafted here or undrafted at that level, it doesn't really matter. Right. It's all about it's all about what they're how they're performing and how they're practicing and how they're oh, you yeah. know, sort of carrying themselves. So um there's a lot of different aspects to it, but um, no, that's, that's interesting. That's something to keep an eye on too. Cause he, it, that's the one I always see McLaughlin kind of hanging out in the fourth line. Yep. And like you yep. said, I wonder if it's, I, I don't think it's performance maybe, but maybe it, there are just things like you said that, that he needs to work on. So that's very interesting. Um, so we went down that rabbit hole talking about uh, no sick and um, staying with sort of the injury, um, sort of the injury talk, Brandon Carlo, um, he got hurt last week. He uh, did practice a little bit yesterday. Game time decision tonight. Um, this is sort of one of the fears that I have when we talk about the trade deadline is I just depth on defense. Um, I think is just so huge. Uh, and especially if God forbid you lose a, 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 you know, McAvoy uh, Lindholm, um, they could be in some real trouble, I think. Um, so what do you think the injury, uh, well, hopefully we get Carlo back as soon as we can. I, I don't really feel the need to rush him. I mean, at this point, if they're game time decisions, I would say you just sit him, you know. But what are your thoughts on that situation? That's what seems to be going around the Bruin circles uh, on Twitter today. And, and even yesterday when the news came out that he was taking regular shifts at practice and, and looked good, you know. So uh, maybe the uh, the trip to New York and what happened, I believe it was in the Rangers game on Thursday. Um yeah, it was actually when you got walked off the ice. I just said, man, this guy can't get any luck, you know, it, and that and the trend of him getting injured right around these times as the playoffs approach is not not in his favor. But fortunately, you know, a, a day goes by after the game and then it goes into uh, work on Saturday and, and, you know, doesn't have a no contact jersey on and out there doing the same thing and. And I like the idea that he's a game time decision, but I'm also hearing in the circles that the Bruins may be like saying, Hey, we appreciate you coming back and possibly working at 90%. But you know, what do you think about taking a rest? Like you are talking about a little bit of load management on some injured players or some banged up players per se. Like Carlo is obviously itching to play in tonight's game. So, you know, it's probably just a, a ding here and there, but you, we all know that Danes can turn into bigger problems. Um, but it's, I'm just glad to, that he's doing okay and so on. I always worry about that kid, you know, when it comes to concussion history and so on, you know. Um, I will never say a player is soft uh, when it comes to stuff like that. You know, the mm -hmm. brain is a very delicate um, organ in your, in, you know, in your head and so on. So it's, it's not to be taken for granted. And, and certainly nobody's soft out there. Those guys are are the 1% of the world that get an opportunity to play in that. And they're all freaking warriors for going out there and sacrificing their lives for a decent paycheck and a better life for their family and friends. Yeah. And um, I totally agree. Um, and I also wonder if this is a good time 
you know, as we talk about load management, do they look at a guy like Zaboral and say, you know, we want to get this guy 10 more games or we want to get Mike Riley back in the lineup because we might need him here down the stretch. You know, so maybe that's it's sort of like we were talking about at the forward position. Maybe the the team is also looking at that and saying, you know, we could we, we really like to see. I mean, I feel like Zaboral has been here for 10 years. I still don't know what I'm getting with that player, you know. Um, so maybe this is an opportunity for them to kind of um, kind of look at what they have for other options, because I, I just depth on defense scares me to no end. It always has. And I've never had a problem with them going and getting Greg Zanin at the trade deadline <laughs> ah, because, because you just you gotta you gotta have bodies back there. I mean, I remember t- poor Tommy Cross got called up uh, to yeah. play a playoff game, and he was just not not ready. You know, um, no, he was not ready, and I was not happy by that call up at all. Um, and um, I wonder too. I wonder too about guys like um, you know Nick Wolf or. Kai Visman, or, you know, I'm just looking at that roster and, and thinking about, you know, you have some depth with Didier. I forget that Anton Strawman's down there. So, yeah. you know, you do have options, but it would be interesting to see, uh, to see those guys at the NHL level again, see what, see what they got. Yeah. Didier can't come up until he signs a two way deal. So the Boston Bruins right now are 47 of 50 contracts. They could sign a two way and get him involved, but, um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think they would give it to somebody that's going to that has a contract already. Um, obviously, Nick Wolf is a big body and so on, but I'm not sure exactly what he provides for the Bruins' future. I think he's just a, a project that they continue to work on, like they had with um, Wiley Sherman from Harvard, and then they had uh, Rob O'Gara from Yale, really, really big defenseman and so on. That just didn't pan out after after their entry level deals and never really continued to play hockey after that. If I'm not mistaken, one of them might be overseas, and I think Rob Gara is coach is an assistant coach for Yale now. So it's just um you know you do want to get bigger defensemen involved in your system, uh, but sometimes it just doesn't pan out. I'm not. Sh- I like Nick Wolf. He reside you know obviously provides a a, a physical presence and so on, but um I like the way that this Boston Bruins are, uh, are working with a defenseman and being that stay at home type of guy, but also transition well out of the zone and not be able to give up the puck where I see a player like Nick Wolf kind of turnover turnovers happen in quite a few. And it's kind of hard to hard to see and see if that would translate into an NHL game. And would that yeah. be a mistake call up? You know, yeah. I would actually give it to a, uh, somebody with experience uh, Connor Carrick's down there as Connor well. Carrick. You know, yeah, I, I don't know uh, if he's nope. ever played in the NHL, but I know he's been, he's just been around, you know, he's, he's, yeah, oh yeah. He's, he's really played in the NHL. NHL guy. Yeah. He yeah. He's been in the, uh, you know, you could definitely call up Mike Riley cause he's got NHL experience. Connor Carrick does too. Um, you know, Strawman can as well. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, if he comes back up and needs to go back down, it's the waiver process again. I just want to get rid of that million dollars, to be honest with you, in my opinion. Yeah. I like Anton Strawman and a great career and so on. And, and and kudos to the player for continuing to grind it out as an older veteran. But that's, that's a million dollars we could be using right now. And I don't know. Um, I'm not really just sure how well his his game translates to the playoffs. Um, yeah. I, I always, you know, even when, he, I, even when he was in the playoffs, I always just thought he was a guy you could pick on, you know, throw into his corner. You know, when you're coming for, down, for and, me, and... 
for me, Strongman's just been there a couple of times. He has ra- raised the cup a couple of times and, and he's been through these experiences. So it's just a, like to me, the whole thing was it's a veteran kind of let's get another leader. We can't have enough leaders in the room, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, you're right. For Carrick, 34 games with the Capitals in 2013-14. Uh, he played 67 for the Maple Leafs in 16-17, another 14 for Dallas. So yeah, Steve, yeah he's um, 20, 29 for the Devils. So he's been there. Steve Dangle used to love him. Really? Oh yeah. When what he was drafted, he talked to him. He t- yeah, when he was drafted, he talked to them all up and so on. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, interesting. His brother's really good too. I think his I think his brother might be in San Jose. We might see him tonight. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So interesting. Well, it's nice to know. Um, it's nice to know that they have the depth there. Um and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what the roster you know, I'm not up here thinking that we should be breaking up lines just to give other guys playing time um, down the stretch here, but it'll be interesting to see if we get some load management and if we see any, any sort of movement from the AHL, to the NHL, it's being a lot better than what we have here in Springfield where it's like, it's like these guys spend more time at Bradley airport than they do uh, in the practice facility. But, um, but right. it'd be interesting to follow looking ahead and sort of with that, uh you know like you said trade deadline coming up march 3rd um a lot of rumors swirling around out here i i just i gotta tell you i'm i'm out on bo, bo horvat um you know and and again i i i don't mean to pick on bruins fans but the bruins fans love to bash sweeney for his drafting and some of it is justified some of it's not but if you're gonna bash sweeney for he can't draft he can't draft and then immediately say, well, I want to, tr- I want to trade the kid that he just drafted, you know, for somebody else. Like don't bash the draft and then say, I don't want Fabian Lizell, get him out of here. Like yeah. we got to at least see what we have here. So I, I, I just think that Bo Horvat, the price is going to be so high and I'm not really looking to, to sort of disrupt the whole future quite yet. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the rumors that they've had uh, been involved with here, Mark? Last night, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were on the panel at Sportsnet, and both of them uh, said that the price would be three roster players and a, and one top-end prospect. Um, I'm not sure if the Bruins have the asset to get a deal like this done at all. Um, and I, I would honestly pass, uh, just for the fact is that, you know, we, we might not have to pay such a heavy price for somebody that could come in and possibly give us the same amount you know i i have a couple of players involved and, and one of the reasons why i think about these players is just the fact is that they have an extra year of term so the cost might be not equal to a bull hope bar Horvat, but you still have a year under a contract so i really like and if the, and if the boston bruins are like looking at centers to you know do it increase the depth at, uh, up the middle and really go for it. I really like Elias, um, Elias Lindholm from Calgary. Uh, he's a center right wing. He's 28 years old. He's making 4.8 million right now. He's a UFA after next season. So you have a whole year to, to, to negotiate with him. But the best part about it is if the Boston Bruins don't get a deal done, uh, if they don't get the cup done this year, you have a player like this in the mix for next season. Bo Horvat, in my opinion, I don't know him. I don't know his character, personality, whatever. But sometimes in the NHL, 
a player like Bo Horvat gets all pumped up and ready to go to the best team in the NHL. That's really a wagon and, tr- and possibly going to win a Stanley cup. But if that goal is not accomplished, that player might not be happy. And now he's a rental. Now right. you gave up assets for somebody you cannot resign and wants to test the market to find a place where he can win. That's that's a scary thought when you're thinking about Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat and the price to pay. Um, if he can come here with term and you can work out a pasta, a pasta knack extension, I'm, I'm for it. But I still think that the price to pay is just a little too much. Number one for a, a Boston Bruins prospect pool that de- desperately needs to be replenished. Mm-hmm. I don't care how Providence is doing right now. Second place in the Atlantic, uh, fourth place in the league and so on that though, that whole prospect pool needs to be replenished and you can't be giving away first round picks all the time. Yeah. And Lindholm, I, from what I recall, um, kills a lot of penalty. I mean, he's a lot really good on special teams. You can put him on the power play. You can put him on the penalty yes. kill. Um, yeah, obviously he's with got, the last name he's, he's, you know, Swedish. So he's got that connection Jack, with Jack Edwards. Lindholm. Jack Edwards would lose his mind. Oh. I mean, he's already practically there, but if he's got two Lindholms on a team, it don't make a right for that head. <laughs> and, and again, you know, you got uh, PJ Axelson in the system, who's done a really nice job of yeah. of scouting and and um, and sort of has an eye for talent. Um, if I'm so not mistaken, I, I Steve. That, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, Steve, uh, the Boston Bruins were very interested in Lindholm uh, when he was drafted, and I think I think you're right. I think uh, PJ might have had uh, something to do with hey, if he's available, I take him, but. Unfortunately, he wasn't. He went a lot uh, sooner than than the Bruins expected. But, um, you know, when trade talks are, are swirling, the Bruins are sometimes in on him because, uh, you know, 45 games played this year. He's got 14 goals, 27 assists, 41 points. I mean, the guy's almost a point-per-game player. Uh, he's just something that I believe you could add, and you have the extra year. The other and player – And he's an assistant captain. Too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, so the, I, I like this game though. Well, well, you got more on the on this list. I could do this all day. This is fun. <laughs> so the other one I I had I was thinking about it's as a 29 year old and he's a straight up center and that's Mark Shifley. Um, he's a UFA after this season. He's he's a little higher on the on the uh, um on the annual average value at six point one two five million per season. Um, and one he's probably going to want to get a raise. But in 46 points for him, he's got 26 goals, 14 assists, 40 points. Another player that he's got another year to you could talk to him and so on. And, and again, a player that if you're going for it might add some value. But also if it doesn't, if your goal is not accomplished, you have him for another season to really go for it next year. And and that six point one two five million. It's a little scary when you're still trying to um, lock down David Pasternak to an eight-year extension. Salary cap's only going up a million this season, this upcoming season, and then possibly another four-point-something after that. But I don't believe Gary Bettman as far as I could throw him, so don't take that as uh, gospel. (laughs) Well, I mean, another guy, I always liked him because he looks – I think he looks like Kurt Cobain. Um, (laughs) But – um, another guy kind of like Lindholm again, he's been an assistant captain almost his entire career kills penalties, good on the dot can run the power play and, you know, Winnipeg's a total mess and he's, he's putting up pretty good points. Um, yeah. he's out himself in this little season. So he does have a little bit of an attitude and I do feel like every time the, the Bruins play Winnipeg, he gets 
you know, oh, yeah. he gets caught up with one of these guys. I don't know. I don't know if the room likes him. I guess is what I'm getting at. But um, I got yeah, one more I mean, if you want to talk about name. him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the other one is 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 a straight up long shot and definitely can be taken care of during the off season. But if if the Bruins wanted to possibly not pay a huge ransom, they could look to the Chicago, the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, talk about inquiring. Max Domi, he's a center, he's a left wing, kind of gives you that nastiness, that growl, that playoff kind of in-your-face attitude, and I think that could put up some uh, a big goal here and there if he's called upon. Uh, he's a UFA after this season, like I said, only $3, three million per season. In 43 games, he's got 13 goals, 17 assists, and 30 points. Um, you know, that might be something that they could explore right down to the to the wire of the March 3rd trade deadline. But um, yeah, that's a break glass in case of emergency. Steve, you look like you really like Max Domi. Well, idea. it just, I, as you were talking, I was, I was Googling him because that's a guy that I feel like this is two or three years now that I've looked at him in the trade deadline and thought, well, he, he can't be that expensive. I know he's not signed for a lot of money. I feel like he's constantly bouncing around the league and I, I, I feel like it's not really his fault. I mean, he's just been on sort of crap teams um his whole career um he's a smaller guy but he's got a lot of sandpaper to him he would i just think learn so much from hanging out with marshand and 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 sort of how to tailor his game to it um but like you said he's versatile he can play the wing can play center um i think if he just had himself and I, I, i'm starting to feel bad for him because he's he is bouncing around to all these terrible teams um if he could get himself situated somewhere you know in a good system with good coaching, good leadership, um, I think he could be a huge asset. And I don't think that he would cost as much as some of these other guys that you mentioned. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't think it would cost very much. Uh, and I know that in the rumor mills, you know, before the season started, uh, you know, there was a lot of people saying that because he was on some pretty bad teams that he might have shown a little bit of that frustration, like he's not being utilized properly in their particular systems which ultimately, you know, gives a play, gives off a kind of a vibe that the player is not happy and so on. And, you know, it might have been internal, which nobody knows because we're not in the room. But, you know, I just think that, you know, the you know, Ty Domi is his father. And, you know, he, he does have some snarl, like you said. He adds that playoff kind of grit that everybody's um you know really clamming for that you you have to lock down you gotta you if they're gonna come at you hard you have to play harder uh kind of mentality and i you know i always say that it's it's the uh team that scores the most goals wins the games but you know those people come back and say yeah but the grind to get that goal is also important as well um you know i just think that that's a really lower price i mean to get domi out of chicago i wouldn't give more than a fourth or fifth if available um uh, yeah that, i i think the ask would be reasonable and i know that they're selling everyone's talking about kane and taves but i don't see why they wouldn't be in the in the interest to move him too and i mean again drafted by arizona who sucks uh two seasons with montreal that weren't good they did make the playoffs that year but in uh 1920 um so i guess they had a halfway decent run there um but then yeah a season and a half in columbus and then Chicago. And I mean, I, I remember him. Uh, he got moved last year at the deadline to Carolina and played really well in the playoffs, even against the Bruins. I mean, he finished um, 
He finished last season in, in the in the playoffs, six points in fourteen games, plus six. Yeah, so, I was I mean, shocked that he didn't get another deal. Yeah, to be honest with you, you know, playing so good against the Bruins in that playoff series and 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 you know the second round. Um, but yeah, I was shocked that he didn't get a deal. He was a free agent. Yeah, so I I um and I like a guy too that's not a pure center because if you get a if you get a second, what's the guy who's labeled a second round or a second line center, third line center, then you're gonna have to do some reshuffling and you can't just be like, hey, Coil, here's our shiny new toy, go hang out in the fourth line. Um, yeah. you know what or I go mean? Go hang so, out on the right wing. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, um, so that's interesting. You have some. I do have some news about Jonathan Taves and, and um, uh, Patrick Kane. Uh, it sounds like from my boy Dom Tiano in a, in a conversation that both players might just want to wait till the trade deadline, that there's no – they haven't been asked to, to move their no trades and, or anything like that. So that might just be a flash in the pan. Um, but I think there's two teams that Taves would like to go to. I know Patrick Kane's uh, going through a little ding that could be something serious that they might even shut him down for the season to have the surgery now and re-sign him for another year and then get him back healthy next season and then trade him from there. So there's a, po- a couple possibilities right there that what could happen, but I, I don't know. I mean, let, let me ask you, would you rather do Horvat or Taves? Um, I mean, honestly, kind of, weird to say but neither but i guess if i had to i would go with i would go with taves if we're doing it for one year i would go with taves because i know he's one he's a leader he, no questions asked he's gonna just come here and play his game and win face-offs and kill pen- i mean he's another guy who can take penalty load manage penalty kill load management off a guy like bergeron who i still think is yep. killing too many penalties uh, i guess if i have to do it for short term and based on what we have to give up i'd go taves yeah, and I, I have to agree with you. Just for the fact is that I don't think the price is going to be that expensive. I think the biggest hurdle between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks in a trade is how much money is Chicago going to retain. Right. Because, it, I mean, the AAV doesn't change throughout the year. The money does change because of uh, the you know prorated games. We're halfway through the season. The real money isn't really that much, but still, it's that AAV that has to come down for anything to happen. And, and hopefully that doesn't, you know, with any bonus structure, no, it wouldn't be a bonus structure. It'd be a trade. Um, that won't have any effect on the Pasternak uh, signing anytime soon either. But yeah, I, I like the experience. I like what he could give. Um, I'm not too thrilled about a player that kind of covered up some pretty nasty shit in Chicago for a while. You know, that's that's something that's never going to go away on 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 that on that jacket because but I don't know. It's just there's so many different things. You know, when you want to win, you know, teams 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 like the Boston Bruins when they want to win, obviously don't pay too much attention to the room because, you know, the whole Mitchell signing earlier this season and then, you know, it's just very weird. Yeah, it it is. Um and I I do think maybe that's why I instinctively sort of get this I get a little stink face when I, when we talk about Chicago in yep. general and especially their leadership, because that was, I mean, Taves was kind of, even, even they were, they were asking him about it. He just didn't give them the answers that I thought you should really be giving based on that situation. Um, okay. 
and and again he had the opportunity to be like you know what i don't even want this is such a gross situation trade me now i don't even want to be here and he didn't do that either so right. um doesn't speak high on the character no it really doesn't which goes against everything that i sort of know about tapes i mean i just right. always assumed he's this he's like bergeron light you know he's he's uh always sort of puts um his priorities in the right place and i'm just i didn't really get that that vibe um one other quick name for you and because again i'm so focused on the back end i'd like to i'd be on the phone calling to see how much john klingberg costs uh defenseman out there in anaheim um six three big dude um been around can play doesn't need a lot of babysitting um i think he's only on a one-year deal so yep. chances are anaheim would like to would probably be interested in moving him. So um, that'd be a guy I'm looking at in the back end. Um, I haven't dug too deep into it. I wish I, I wish I did. I wish I wrote down four or five names like you did, because uh, I could do some digging, but. Um, well, if you're looking, if you're talking about defense, Steve, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind giving a flyer to a, a guy like Luke Shen. Um, yes. I've been watching videos on him. I've been watching a couple of Vancouver games. Um, real. He's, he's a pain in the ass to play against. Uh, prototypical Bruins type of player for these types of seasons and the postseason um, in real cheap, $850,000 is uh, only on for one more year. This is a typical rental. This is the type of stuff that you go out and get and on the cheap and you don't overpay. So um, that could be a possibility as well, but like it, it, he's a type of player that's going to give you that snarl that you talked about earlier. And, and probably wouldn't mind being scratched. You know, like Ooh. like a guy like Klingberg's gonna want to play, and you know Shen's the kind of guy where you could be like, well, listen, you're only we're only putting you in the lineup like every other night. You know, is my um, name gonna go on the cup though? Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, well, that was great. That was a lot of fun talking trades. I I, I feel like I go fire up uh, fire up the Xbox, <laughs> and, um, do a little EA Sports action, some maneuvering. <laughs> Oh boy, um, you and Chris Nosek from JDS Sports will get along. <laughs> I admit, I admit, I don't do a lot of video games, but I've had every NHL game since '94, um, and I just that's the thing that I that's my sweet spot. My students are like, awesome. what games? What games do you play? I'm like hockey. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, even though every update now is just a bona fide roster update, they don't change the game anymore. But that's okay. Um, exactly. A good time, I think, now maybe to uh, talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Mark, what do you have uh, for us from them? Absolutely. Our show sponsor, betonline.ag, comes at you. And they remain your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NHL, NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC and MMA and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag with live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the betonline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag is where the game starts. And uh, while we're doing a little bit of a house cleaning, um, you know, some news over the last week is that uh, Vox Media uh, cutting a lot of jobs, especially hockey writers. And um, 
first of all, it sucks for the industry. Um, broadcasting and journalism right now, I think, is is sort of a hot mess. Um, looking at the money that Tony Romo is getting to be the worst analyst on the planet is a great <laughs> example of it. Um, but uh, if you recently got let go or if you are looking to get back in the business or if you are just uh, a kid sitting on your couch who just watches 60 minutes of hockey every game um, and you want to produce content on a regular basis, uh, reach out to Mark because we have plenty of opportunities here for all kinds of content, whether it's writing, podcasting, um, you know, whatever you like. And it, it may seem overwhelming, but as I've talked about in the past, you just, it's as simple as watching the game and taking notes and open up your phone, open up that notes app and just talk about the game as it's happening. And then after the game, you can take those thoughts and you can turn them into talking, talking points, whether you're writing them or, or podcasting. So um, sucks to hear that about the people at Vox though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, SB nation is uh, one of the, one of the bigger outlets when it comes to hockey and a lot of great people and content creators came out of, out of SB nation. Um, and uh, you know, paid opportunities, you know, that, I mean, they might not be full-time jobs and so on. Some of them might be, but still it's, a, you know, to lose your passion and something that you've done for many years as a team, uh, you know, it's tough to, tough to, um, to walk away from. But I just want to say if any of those employees that um, are, are affected by these layoffs, and I think they're happening at the end of February, if you happen to like the Bruins or anything like that, please get in touch with me. Send me an email at LLC at gmail.com. We'd love to have your content over on our, our platform. Um, we do have some paying opportunities here at B&G. Not all of them, but um, obviously something that we could definitely discuss. But, yeah, you just uh, you want to open the doors for you know others that might not have the funds as, as a, with a sport, small sports media company as we do uh, to provide the audio, video, and, you know, the listener – um, Bruins talk on all the worldwide platforms. So, uh, yeah, the door is open and please get in touch. Cause we're, we're always looking for more content to, um, to create and, you know, grow our family that much more. And, and all you have to do is put a headline, like uh, update on Pasternak uh, and contract negotiations like Elliot Friedman does. And then before you know it, you're, you're like a real, you're like a real journalist. That's all you need to do. Nowadays, so. Um, we need uh, a little more than that, but yes, we <laughs> on do, the right yeah. mind, though. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so, uh, so it's interesting. We talked at the beginning of the show about how um, how little there is to complain about this team, and I think one of the things that was discussed has been Swayman, and he's just been red hot as Allmark is. Um, I do still think when the playoffs come around, it's Allmark's net. Um, no doubt about it, but what have you seen from Swayman in the last week? And I know in the past, Mark, you've talked about him being a really good trade ship. Where do you stand on that? Um, as we move along here, um, Sway has been really good lately. Um, and like we talked about a little earlier, this is a great time for him to, to find his game again. Um, it is, it's no, it's not a secret anymore that I think he, uh, he was going through a really hard breakup. He mentioned it on, Instagram, um, and that kind of made news and so on. So that's never easy when you when you you walk away from a loved one. Um, but he's just a, a consummate pro. He's worked and grinded through some hard times and really got back to being where a 
a lot of the Boston Bruins nation knew where he was going to be, you know, the next up and coming uh, Boston Bruins um, goaltender for the future. Um, and like I said, it's, it's just really good to have him firing on all cylinders, you know, working with Linus Allmark, who's your starter and will be for the playoffs, but still having that camaraderie, the, the friendship and so on to just work as a team and not as individuals will always stick with me um, when you think about this tremendous young man. Leading into that, I still think that he could be a trade chip. And I'm not saying now. I say I say we keep everybody together uh, for the goal that's at hand, and that's winning a Stanley Cup in 2023. But if it doesn't happen, I'm still on board that if you need an asset or two to cross that threshold of a cup because you didn't get it done this season and you need to make a splash for next season to really solidify that goal and that window of of David Krejci possibly coming back or or uh, um, Patrice Bergeron and so on, I really think that he could be the type of player that would garner a, a nice piece coming back, or maybe two. You know, all goaltenders, all teams. I'm sorry, all teams out there are looking for goaltending. Goaltending is, you know, there's not that many positions out there to fill, especially at the NHL level. So people are going to pay. So I think that he could be a very good chip. Now, hear me out. I also think that Brandon Bussey has way higher upside than Jeremy Swayman, even at the American Hockey League level and no NHL games. Um, so this could be uh, a, a bit of trade maneuver uh, maneuvering by Don Sweeney in the offseason uh, to get Bussey signed and be your backup and have Linus Allmark the next two seasons as your starter. And then now Brandon Bussey is your guy that's going to be, you know, your future asset moving forward. And I just think that the way that Mike Dunham and Bob Asenza have worked with these goalies, it really doesn't, I mean, that doesn't matter to me. They're going to be really good. So, and it's a business. I, I like Jay Sway too. I don't want to see him traded, but I also know that you have to give to get to, you know, so um, that's where I, I still stand on. Let's keep him this year. Let's complete the goal. But if needed, he could be a trade asset at the end of the season. Um, and I think he's probably going to sign two year bridge deal and don't give him protection. If you give him protection, they don't want to move him then. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And I I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think what he and Olmark have together is special. I think that more than any other position in that sport the the goalie to goalie relationship is so important and i think that what they have now is is very special um but i mean just real quick i wrote them down i mean seven I and mean, they have seven goalies in the system um and that's that's ridiculous so i mean yep. it's not like you lose swayman and then you're screwed i mean because you, you have all these other options behind him um but I do, I, 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 I'm sort of with you. I think that if you need, if you have a hole this off season and you need a position and you have, there are teams out there starving for goaltenders. Um, I think that he's probably the most, he's the option that will get you the most return on investment. And, you know, we don't have to get into it now, but one of the things that always sort of blow, blow my mind is how the Bruins lucked into Swayman in that draft. And the person they have to thank for that is actually Zach Ronaldo. 
Um, and that's not something we have to talk about now. But if you go back and you look at that awful, ridiculously stupid Zach Ronaldo trade that the Bruins made. Oh, my um, God. There's a um, trade tree on this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, wait, wait. You you need to forward this to me. I need to see this trade. Well, tree. it's so I don't I don't necessarily have it as a tree, but um, and I can just real quick, the third round pick that they that they gave to Philly for Zach Ronaldo, they took a goalie. Between that pick and Swayman, ten goalies went off the board. Oh, ten. So oh, if the Bruins were picking it at that third round pick. Chances are, I mean, if Swayman was the was number ten on that list for everybody else, I, I doubt he was number one for the Bruins. So oh, by trading wow. that third round pick and getting Zach Ronaldo, the Bruins might have saved themselves from themselves and had <laughs> Swayman pretty much lay land in their lap. So, oh no shit, um, it's I, I I still have a saved old rant from me on the radio talking about I don't know who this Swayman kid is. He's probably <laughs> going to be terrible, but how the hell could you get Zach Ronaldo for a third round pick? And sure enough, it all came it all came back around. Um, so they they really lucked out with him uh, in general. And um, yeah, I, I love the kid. Um, I love that he wears number one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, very but old it's, school. It's something. It's something to look into. Uh, something to keep our eye on this off season. And like you said, in the meantime, the goal is the cup, and Swayman is a massive uh, part of what they have going on right now. And. I just I think it's it's good to keep it together, but yeah, Bussy Bussy AHL All Star I saw too. Yep, him and Vinny um, Letary are going to um, I don't even know where the All Star game is this year. Shit, but anyway, I like to think Laval. Um, is it maybe Laval? Yes, yes, it is in Quebec. It is in Quebec. That's right. Yeah, so Brandon Bussy, the goaltender and uh, veteran forward Vinny Letary. Uh, Vinny Letary, I think, is making his second all-star appearance while Bussy is making his first in his rookie season. And he's just been really, really good with the Providence Bruins. Like I've said, I've been really pumping this guy's tires because I believe that he is the type of goaltender that Asenza and Dunham lost in Vladar. You know, and I think they really wanted to get that that prodigy type back. And they found a guy that's 6'4 and 200-something pounds, and he's a massive man in the crease. You've seen him in Springfield, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. I mean, yeah. I just think that – I think he's just got the the mental tools and so on with his height to be just a little bit better than the Jeremy Swayman. You know, I, I just – I watch video, and I watch video of Swayman as he's developing, and I just see a little bit of difference, and I just see that – that prototypical Ascensor and Dunham freaking training, you, you can definitely see it. And I just like the way it's going. So, like I said, I just think that's – I think Swayman's going to be a great goaltender, whether it be a Boston Bruin or somewhere else in the NHL. But, you know, there's, there's always that one guy that's coming up that that could be that much better. Yeah. Yeah, and th- they are there. It's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I don't know if it's goalie Bob or – I don't know who drafts goalies or who has their eye on these things but i mean i remember um i think it was vladar um we had a guy who worked for the thunderbirds who who dealt a lot with um you know big 10 hockey and he was like this vladar kid can't get out of his own way like he's got no chance and something happened right something clicked and now he's an nhl goaltender so they they keep crushing the the draft at that particular position and I'll tell you what happened, Steve. It was a high ankle sprain that turned his career around because Ascenza and Dunham literally 
throughout his recovery were with him with video saying you don't as a big goaltender you don't need to make all these massive moves and come way out to cut down the angles minimize your movements you'll be a better goaltender because you're bigger it's you take more energy to move across side to side as a bigger goaltender believe it or not and they they minimize that so he can you know position himself accordingly and be ready for any shot that's coming in. And Vazar was tremendous down low, you know. So is so is Bussy. So interesting. Well, it's a good problem to have. Like we said, it's uh, it's oh, good you can't to be, have enough goaltenders. Um, uh, said. so <laughs> so you know, I one of the things I remember talking about when I first came onto the show is how how sort of lucky we are as Bruins fans to have people like you, people like Dom. Um, some of these Twitter followers spoke Z and Ivan, 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 and Dr. Tenkrat and all these people um, that pay so much attention to the depth of the organization. And, you know, all I'm as a guy who works for the Thunderbirds, all I'm looking for is somebody on Twitter who can tell me that the blues drafted some high prospect and he's out playing for the Regina Pats and he's doing all the, like, I don't, I, they don't have any of these guys, these resources that we have as fan base, as, as fans in this fan base um, are so valuable. And I, I've, for some reason, I've put zero effort into it. And I know more about Brett Harrison. Um, thanks to these guys, the guys like Dom um, than I ever would have. And, you know, just as, as I think it's important to, let other people know and let our audience know who's not exactly following these things or first of all, go follow Dom on Twitter, Dom Tiano. He's, he's fantastic. But if you're not on Twitter, Agreed. Um, it's a good opportunity here for us to talk about some of these young prospects. Um, and another huge game for Brett Harrison last night, um, five point night, three goals, two assists. Um, did just get traded. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago, but he did, he did get yep. traded to a better team. Uh, is he playing with with Potra, um, Matthew Potra? Are they? No, no, uh, Matthew Potra never got moved. Uh, there was a rumor saying that Mark Savard from the Winter Spitfires was interested in making a move for Potra um, to have Potra and Harris uh, on the Winter Spitfires, and and I don't I don't know if that move would have knocked out the the sweepstakes for for um, Shane Wright, who's also with the Winter Spitfires right now, but. Uh, Boston Bruins prospect forward, Brett Harrison, uh, huge night. Like you said, five points, uh, pretty much got all his, his point production in the first half of the game. Uh, his, this is his first career five-point game. His last uh, four-point game came in uh, uh, December 12, 2021, in a game against the uh, uh, Peterborough Peets, and it was a four-to-one win, and he had two goals, two assists, four points that night. Last night, crushes that with five points, and – and just on a tear with Windsor since, I mean, he started the year um, in training for, for this upcoming campaign and, and broke his leg and then came back from a broken leg and just got right onto the uh, Oshawa generals team and just really pushed forward to be a really offensive threat. And then all of a all of a sudden, not too long ago, Mark Savard from the Windsor Spitfires pulls a six, six draft pick trade for Harrison. Um, and uh, gets a deal done. So he's with uh, Windsor and just absolutely lighting it up on a very, very good team that could do some damage this year um, in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's, I just, I love that connection that, um, 
I, I just, I got to imagine Savard is such a good head coach. Um, I love that he's on a team that can make a, a, a deep run in the playoffs because again, at any level, um, juniors, AHL, NHL, uh, the playoffs are so important and getting that experience. Um, but you know, it's great to see, it's great to see Harrison. And, you know, again, I, I don't, the only thing I know about him is what I'm getting from Dom and, and those guys. And, uh, I feel like I know the kid pretty well at this point, but it seems like between him and Frederick Brunet and Poitra, um, it, it, we talked about the pipeline. It, it seems like there's a lot there. And, and, you know, it goes back to this talk about Lizelle. Like, I don't, I, I just, I don't see the need to move somebody at this particular point when there are other options. And I mean, I, nothing against them, but, you know, can they move a guy like Potra? Can they move a guy like, like Philippe Brunet? And I know he's a or Frederick Brunet. He was a first round pick, but like, instead of, digging into the guys that you've already invested some time and effort and energy into like Lizelle, do you move some of these other guys instead? Yeah. But or do you wait when you, you know, or do you wait? Well, you, I don't know. I kind of want to wait on Lizelle to see what he can offer at the NHL because his stock can just rise higher than that and bring back more than he obviously could right now. I just think that a, a player like Lizelle is more of a leverage deal. So if you're talking about Bo Horvat. He has some, uh, Lysel has ties out in Vancouver. He played for the WHL Giants. Uh, so I'm sure some of the scouts have, uh, you know, seen him play before. And and it's an attractive prospect to work on. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to piss all over his world junior sh- championships either. Because he's playing against men in the American Hockey League. And he's pretty much a point per game player. So uh, the sky's the limit for him. I'd hate to get rid of him. But. I also understand that, you know, the prospect pool does need to be replenished and he's the next best right wing we have since David Pasternak. And we've, we've, we've born and bred this kid. So I want to continue with it. So I don't want to lose him, but if the, you know, if something's coming back, that's just going to blow my mind. And, and, you know, we're almost guaranteed to win. I'll take a chance. I'll take a chance. Does Bo Horvat blow your mind? Um, I mean, he does play that prototypical Boston Bruins style that we could use. And I think that he would fit in really well here, but I just, that price is just a little too much for me to pay for somebody that isn't guaranteed to resign. If he had one year left, Steve, I would say, yeah, I would probably, I would probably say three players and a, and a high prospect would definitely do it. Maybe even a first round pick would do it, but you know, with that, that year taking away and your inability to negotiate with somebody that possibly might want to test the free agent market. I'm not sure if I want to pay that price. It's like, it's like the Red Sox going for that uh, Japanese player. They gave him $55 million just to say hi to him. Just to sit him down and go, can we talk to you? Well, yes, they, got, they, they got a great dollars. They got a great business model over there on uh, uh, at Fenway. Very. <laughs> Um, but you know, another captain, you know, I, I, I love the guys that have C's on their sweater and, you know, yep. the other team that I, that I hear is highly interested in them is the Detroit Red Wings. And I've talked about it before. If, if Steve Eisenman's in on them, then I'm in on them too, because I'll do whatever Steve Eisenman does. Uh, that's just my all time favorite. Um, and, yeah, but you also know, Steve, that Jim Rutherford out in Vancouver is not going to be an idiot either. He's going to want to get valued assets in return. If Bo Helbert leaves the, leaves the room. 
So what's that? What's the biggest asset that Detroit might have? And it's also um, on a minimal contract. It's uh, Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Dylan Larkin is probably going to be the guy that Jim Rutherford Rutherford wants out out West. Yeah. So, I mean, no matter what you're going to, you're going to pay, you're going to pay a pretty good price. And speaking of Vancouver, real quick, I can't believe the bullcrap they're pulling on Bruce Boudreaux, this poor guy. Oh, Jesus. I mean, he, you know, I, I, people in Springfield still rave about him when he played for the Indians. But is there a guy who just seems like so fun? I would love to. I would love to be a player under Bruce Boudreaux. And them just slinging mud at him is just so infuriating. I hate to see it. Barbecue Bruce is what we call him. Uh, such a a great a great guy, great coach. And listen, I got to give this guy kudos for how professional he's been throughout all this shitstorm, to be honest with you, and just doing the media thing, doing the player thing, going to work every day and just doing what he's contractually obligated to do. And and unfortunately, the the Vancouver Canucks, in my opinion, dropped the ball on this whole thing because they put him out to dry. And I think because of Bruce's uh, professionalism, and what he did to the final end, you know, hey, you know, he was emotional, pointing out to the crowd, letting them all know, thank you very much, because it was a chant, you know. Bruce, I, think, I love that. Yeah. I think by all that and how professionally he will, he is, I think he'll get another job in the NHL soon. I think that speaks volumes to other other um, um, NHL teams that are looking for somebody behind the bench. And I, and I, I may be wrong, but I've, it seems like since this was all going on, the players have actually rallied around him and they're actually playing yes. a little bit better hockey. Cause they're, they're, you know, they like the guy. I mean, yep. Um, so it's, it's tough to see. We'll see how that develops in the next couple of days, but if you're going to do it, do it already. Vancouver don't, it's like a, it's like somebody's like that Seinfeld episode. They're a bad breaker upper. Like just, if you're going to break up with them, break up with them for crying out loud. Well, it sounds like Rick Tockett's going to be the guy that's going to get the job. Um, it's heavily rumored that he is leaving TNT um, and heading to uh, Vancouver with his family. Uh, and I think that Vancouver is going to have a, a press conference, I believe, in the afternoon, officially uh, getting him into the fold. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I heard it last night. I was up to like two o'clock in the morning writing articles. So I was. I was watching all kinds of like hockey and shit like that. So, um, yeah, they pretty much said that he's uh, he's he's got the deal, and they're not they're not sure if they're gonna move out his uh, coaching staff or if Rick Tockett is coming uh, fully equipped. Interesting. Well, uh, still a guy I'd like to have on my staff uh, there, Bruce Boudreaux. Um, so, just a reminder, we do actually have a message today. Um, and I know before we get to that, maybe we can, um, talk about our Patreon account, which you guys have done, um, such a good job in supporting us, uh, over time here. But, uh, we do just want to remind you one more time. We do have a, a listener hotline number nine, seven, eight, five, zero, four, two, seven, two, seven. I'm talking to you, uh, Bruins Luchador, uh, get, get on the horn and give us a call, man. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to hear you on here every week. Um, uh, but if you got a hot take, you got something you want to say, you want to uh, talk about how much you like my hat. Um, nice. I like it, the hat. You can give us a call. I didn't yeah. even notice that until you like, like yeah. flashed it. Uh, nice. Courtesy of Northern Lids. Another great uh, Twitter follower, by the way. Northern Lids, if you're a hat nerd oh. like I am. They're I'll out of Minnesota. But um, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, the number 978-504-2727. And we will uh, listen to our voicemail here coming up right after we talk some Patreon. 
Yes, uh, we do have a Patreon account, and uh, and for one dollar per episode, and we generally do four episodes per month. Sometimes we might do six, but it's very rare. But for four dollars a month, you could be involved in Patreon and have an opportunity to win hand signed jerseys like this next weekend, folks. We're giving away this Jerry Cheever's hand signed jersey, fully authenticated from Boston Sports and Music memorabilia, and the owner, Bruce Sullivan. He does a fantastic job with us. So um, we take that $1 and we use half of it to pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company. And the other half we do is roll over and buy new jerseys to give away every month. And I'm talking to Bruce Sullivan and we are ordering an Adam McQuaid, Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey, and a Sean Thornton hand-signed jersey. So uh, get on board now, folks. Uh, Or... If you see a jersey that we're giving away, jump on just for a month and then back out and then come back if you want. There's so many options to go, but we would love to have you stay with us throughout the year because we do give away these hand-signed jerseys um, 365 days a year. No, no, 52 day, 52 weeks a year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we want to thank everybody, including um, all our Patreons, uh, uh, financial supporters. We have uh, over 60 of them. We want to thank you very much for that. We truly appreciate it. We want to get more. And if we get more, we could do bigger prizes and so on. But that's what we have for Patreon. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and thank you to everybody. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, all the support here uh, at BNG. And everything oh, that oh, we everything That, that we website, offer. sorry, yeah. that website is patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Perfect. That's awesome. And of course, it's right on the uh, bottom of the scroll, too. So if you couldn't write that down, you can always check it uh, for those of us watching on YouTube. It's right down there on the bottom of the, of the scroll. Um, so we do have a call, Mark, if we want to get that uh, that queued up. Um, again, feel free to give us a call anytime, uh, day or night. We, we're happy to hear from you and uh, fire your questions or hot takes at us. But let's see what we have today. This is from Gail, and she's a, a member, a colleague, and a friend over at Black and Gold Productions uh, LLC. So let's hear from Gail. Hey guys, it's Gail, aka Lady Bruins fan from Black and Gold Productions. My question for you this week is After Krejci hangs up the skates, do you believe that his number should be raised to the rafters? Why or why not? Thanks, guys. Great show. Have a great weekend. Bye. Good question. Steve, you want to take that one? Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's borderline, but I'm probably gonna be a no. Um, and I I think I think especially the Celtics, like the Celtics are running out of numbers. They retire numbers like it's going out of style. <laughs> I, I think that's gotta be um it's gotta be worth it. And I mean, I gotta be honest, I don't I wouldn't put Tuka's up there either. I think of this stretch. And this run and this group and this core, I think you're looking at Bergeron and Chara, and that's it. Um, I think that having three guys from this run of one Stanley Cup, um, I think three is too many. And I, I think, I, I think quite frankly, two is too many. However, it's we're talking about Bergeron and Chara, and I think they both should go up. Krejci, unfortunately, I'm a no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think he will, but it will be a while. It would be, it's not going to be uh, like a first ballot like like Patrice Bergeron, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be a while. Um, I really wish that, like like you said, like it's almost like a bingo hall with with uh, with numbers when it comes to like the Boston Celtics. I really wish that teams would would restructure 
their their retired numbers and honor them by having them above in the rafters. That's the ultimate honor, whether you're a you know a family member of a of a of a fallen athlete or a, you're still alive and you did play for a particular team. Seeing your your number up there is awesome, but why not have a player wear it as well? And, you know, hey, you're, he's honoring my number, but that hey, I'm a player and that's my number, and we don't have to like get confused on what number to raise and what number not to raise. If you want to put a number up there, you can. You know, I just think that the option should be open like that, but you should not like limit your players' numbers. I mean, sooner or later. We're going to be going into like three digit numbers, like 113 is coming down the ice. If I pass it to 127, and he shoots and scores. You know, I, I got to be honest, I can't picture anybody else wearing number 37. No. Like, <laughs> I, I, if, if some, you know, they make some trade or they bring somebody in and he's like, I want to wear number 37, I, no, nah. Yeah. Um, right. I, I mean, numbers like that, like two, four, you know, Milt Schmidt, 15, you know, the, the real, like, put them all up there, you know, I get it, but, and don't wear them, but sooner or later, numbers are just going to run out, and I'm probably not going to be alive to even, like, really worry about this problem, but still, it's just, sometimes you just got to, like, wear what and, you want. And, and by the way, uh, it, if the Bruins, if the Bruins go on a tear here and win the cup this year and Krejci's at a point per game and he is a massive part of the cup, um, I might, I might reconsider that answer, but you know, if what's on the line for Krejci here, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, it's, it's a, a hall of fame uh, possibility. Maybe it's a number raising possibility, but I think that he could, you know, he has an opportunity here for this playoff run to, to uh, really shape his own legacy. So. I don't know. I'll have to come back to me. Uh, come back to me this summer on that one. But uh, that's a great question. And the only other one that I think might have the opportunity to, and obviously we're far, far from it, is McAvoy. If he continues to do what he's doing for the next fifteen years, and he gets himself a couple cups, or you know, the next ten years, gets some yep. cups, we can talk about it. You know, I know he's got the contract for another what seven years or something. So, yep, if he can win a couple cups in those seven years, and he's playing the way he's playing, then he might get a crack at it too. But. Um, for now, I just I think Bergeron and Chara are kind of it. So, but great question, Gail. Absolutely, thank you, Gail. And and again, please nine seven eight five zero four two seven two seven twenty four seven worldwide. You guys won't bother me. The phone doesn't go off. I just look at it every week and I see the the voicemails. But we want to get more. We want to get you know this segment built up with lots of uh, questions from you. The the, the knowledgeable Bruins fans out there that have something on your mind that we could possibly answer. Um, yeah. And it, I, I like it too. Cause it, you don't have to listen to us yet. Keep yapping. You get to hear somebody <laughs> else's voice for once. Exactly. You know, you know what's uh, funny, Gail, Gail reached out to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. She's like, um, Steve's uh, Steve's a, a great addition to the program. Congratulations. Um, the things are seemingly, seemingly getting really better for you guys. And the chemistry is getting there, but she's like, it's so hard because you're both from New England, and sometimes I don't understand which one's talking. <laughs> so our accents are, are sounding the same. So sometimes she has a, a hard time with figuring out who's who's got who's going to have the higher pitch next week. Well, I was going to say we, we both sort of have this the the low the bassy uh, uh, yeah you know, the the bassy tones too. 
Um, so that's exactly. Like, I think my mom said that to me too. I don't know which one's which. You, you <laughs> both, you both talk so low. Um, so, but hey, I, I appreciate those kind words, Gail. It's uh, it's nice of you to say. And um, yeah, she's fun. She's, she's fun. Really, she's she was out uh, doing the uh, Bruins alumni today. And I think she was around yesterday and last weekend. So she's really working hard, getting the content out for for the Bruins alumni who deserve to be, you know, recognized, written about, and talked about. So uh, she's been really on board with uh, driving that uh, tr- uh, content train over there, and really proud of her. That's great, and it's good for us too. It's good for us and our our branding and our network to be Absolutely. involved in those kind of things. You know, hope hope to get some of those um, those alumni members on this program, uh, maybe even starting next year as this as this partnership between the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company and the Bruins alumni continues to grow. That's awesome. That'd be great. I, I would love that. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, cool. So as we uh, look, take a quick look ahead here. Um, obviously tonight, if uh, tonight being Sunday, seven o'clock, San Jose is in town at the, t- at the TD Garden. Um, another team that they should beat the hell out of, quite frankly. Um, and then they're going to go on a little bit of a road trip here on Tuesday. They will be at Montreal, a team that has literally packed it in. We talk about sucking for the first overall pick. That is what they're doing. Uh, in fact, Cole, Caulf- Cole Caulfield, they just said, is out for the year, too. Yep. Um, so they're doing everything they can to get Con- Connor Bedard. Um, so we got another one. He got to win. Uh, then it gets a little tricky at Tampa, at Florida, at Carolina, and then at Toronto. So uh, I don't want to call that a gauntlet, but that is for teams that are chasing you. Um, that is a stretch of games that you're going to, they're going to throw everything that they have at you. So, um, you know, Tampa's always tough. Florida is better than the record says Carolina is a playoff team in Toronto. So um, that's going to be an interesting five game road stretch here over the next week and change. Yes, and thank you for correcting me. I put down a seven-game road trip. Oh yeah, no, I, I did, just did. You see the agenda? I got I seven did. games. I did, but I I just went off of Google. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, I'm in ESPN here. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting be, stretch. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I uh, get to play Montreal finally. I mean, I cannot believe that we we have not seen Montreal's you know beginning of the season midway point. We're seeing them right here at the end of of uh january and um uh tampa bay and florida carolina like they're all you know good teams um so it's going to be a tough one uh but i have confidence because there's no back-to-backs there's a day of rest in between so obviously um it'd be good for the goaltenders to get their their game on game off um but i'm also interested like ty anderson he reported that uh the bees will recall a forward for, uh, for the upcoming road trip. Um, and that's including uh, Yuna Kapanen, who's already with the team right now and will play tonight. Uh, so on Monday, before they head up to Montreal, a forward will be recalled. I am not sure. I'm still trying to grind out, get some information on who the forward will be before the official word comes from the Boston Bruins. So hopefully I get to break that. Uh, but I would guess it would probably be a player like Mark McLaughlin, who's uh, riding a four-game point streak. Uh, he's been looking really good lately. Um, so and it could be Jerzy Mikulov as well. Um, but it could be Vinny Letary. Who knows? Um, but I keep an eye out for one of those prospects or maybe somebody I didn't even recognize come up and, uh, and uh, make their NHL debut. 
Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. And make sure you follow Mark at Black and Gold 277 because he's always, uh, as soon as he knows, you'll know. So uh, right. he's always got his ear uh, on the rail down there in Providence. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, you might have to take a look at the settings on your TV and adjust the color a little bit if you're watching these games because this is the road trip. Uh, this is the Andy Brickley road trip where he spends uh, all of his time either on the beach or on the golf course. And then he comes back with <laughs> a completely different shade of color. He goes from pale to, 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 to red uh, in about three days. So if, if you if you feel like your TV screens a, l- a little uh, off, it's because it's because bricks on the beach. That's, that's why. So um, I love it, but uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good test for him. It'll be a good test for this team, this five game strike uh, trip. So, uh, let's yep. hope they're not. Let's hope they're not looking ahead to it because they still got to beat San Jose tonight, and that's a game that, they, like we said, they they got to pound this team. So, we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been fun. It felt good to get back at it, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you. I know, I know you uh, did the family thing last weekend, and Yankee and Candle. I had... My wife took me to Yankee Candle. <laughs> that's what we do out here my, in western mass my wife just orders from yankee candle never mind the trip <laughs> i mean it's a cool place for the kids but i'm like right yankee candle hey, hey. but no it was the kids had fun that's all that matters so. no that's good that's good and obviously it's great to have uh, a team like we do here at black and gold productions that you know if if somebody like yourselves have as, as a family day or or a personal day that we could always reach out to somebody else and get coverage it was great to have cam on last week in your stead um, but it's also a pleasure to have you back because I love talking hockey with you every week because it's been a lot of fun since you've came aboard. So uh, you really set the tone for the agenda, and I love how it's flowing. I'm so relaxed. It's, it's It feels great. It feels good. You See what you do to me, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, this is fun. Like, this is like you said, it's a blast. I could sit, we could sit here and do this all day, you know. Exactly. Um, but uh, we're in a good spot. The podcast sounds good. The team's kicking ass. Like, no complaints, man. This is great. So absolutely, yeah. I definitely want to thank everybody for listening lately. Uh, the retweets are so much appreciated. The downloads are even more appreciated. The financial support uh, has always been uh, appreciated for those who uh, who love winning free stuff every month. So if you want to get involved, definitely check out the Patreon account at Patreon.com/slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Donate a dollar per episode. But other than that, my man, I think that's it, huh? Yeah. No, that's that's it. That's, I don't think oh, we could more... al- we could always like be angry like people on Twitter and figure out ways to trash this team. We could do talk another hour on that. Well, we we can put on the sports <laughs> hub from two to six every day if you want that. <laughs> Not every day; they only do it once. About the talk Bruins once a week, but when they do, it's, yeah, I know it's trashing. But um, it's still talking about the Patriots. Jesus Christ! I, it's unbelievable. This Boston Bruins team is a wagon, and they're still talking about the Patriots. And like, the, and like the offensive line coach, like I, know. I can only listen to you talk about the offensive line coach for so long until I'm like, I need yep. to listen to something else. But, and so um, many people out there wonder why I'm a podcast junkie. <laughs> I listen to like almost, almost 120 NHL podcasts throughout the week. It's <laughs> a lot of podcasts. Man. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I work a lot. <laughs> hey, whatever. Yeah, whatever works for you. But no, we do. We appreciate every listener, uh, every viewer. Um, and, you know, we're getting consistency here. We're getting um, for timing and everything else that we're doing. So thank you for uh, for sharing, for listening, watching, retweeting. Um, yeah, subscribe being a part of it. Too. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. That'd be and, awesome. Uh, 
And we'll be back next week to do it all over again. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at BNG Productions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.